Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, alongside soccer journalist Sam Griswold and the mighty might of the midfield, Mr. Braille Hallett. Today on OTB, what else is there to talk about but the coronavirus, COVID-19, putting lots of, uh, well, big soccer happenings on hold and, uh, and countries, entire countries on lockdown. Big-time teams were playing in front of no crowds. No crowds? Yes, it reminds me of my entire professional soccer career. <laughs> But now all the leagues are shutting down. Uh, pretty amazing how quickly this has happened. Um, I think, did we watch the last Champions League game for a while? I don't know. Sam, Grail, what are you two over on Over the Ball today? This is a new little segment. I want to see what's, what's going on in your minds right up top. I'll let Sam go first. All well, right. Uh, aside from the virus, which, which you got out of the way, I mean, we'll talk about it more, obviously. Um, I, yeah, looking back at the Champions League this week, I, I'm kind of over the, the response to Liverpool being knocked out and, you know, fans considering the, their season a, a failure now that they're out of Champions League and out of the FA oh, Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a little bit ridiculous considering they're about to win their first Premier League title by 30 points or whatever it is. So I don't need to right. hear any more of that. Um, I also did not love the PSG celebrations after they advanced against Dortmund. I don't know if you guys saw that. They all... You know, yes. kind of sat in the center circle and mimicked the um, the Aland, you know, Zen uh, meditation pose, um, which I thought was pretty weak. And I, you know, they're celebrating their first trip to the quarterfinals like they're some underdog, you know, when they're funded by, uh, you know, an entire country. <laughs> so I, I'm not too psyched about that either. It annoy you. All right. Wow. That, you know, that that, was, great. That was Sam too, usually uh, doesn't get testy. That's usually no, me or you. No, I'm not a math major, but I, I could have sworn those were two things that Sam was over. Yeah, but that's okay. right. It built up. Sam doesn't say much. Then when he does, it just kind of comes flying out there. Stop him. Put a cork in Sam. Okay. I, I, am, uh, I am so over, once again, Jose Mourinho. And, uh, <laughs> what, have and, you, uh, what have you not it, been it, over him? No, I've been over him many times. He, he was at Chelsea twice, so I was over him twice during that stint. But, uh, yeah, he's going after his Spurs player, Dembele, publicly. We've seen this routine before. Dembele was a Pochettino signing. Jose's never really liked him. He's saying in the press he's not fit. We've seen this thing with Pogba. He did it to Pogba in Man United. So, again, Jose, I am over you, senor. You know, can I, I just comment quickly on this? Because it, the game has changed since Mourinho sort of dominated things. When you have big players with big contracts, it sort of it sort of changes the base of powers. Coaches don't have as much power as they've had in the past. I think when you have all these pros with all this money, it becomes more – you're more of a psychiatrist than you are of a coach sometimes. And he is not a psychiatrist. In fact, I would say Jose Mourinho – Needs a psychiatrist. (laughs) Yes, he does. That's one of the things. All right. Over the Wall is brought to you by Soccer America. Go to SoccerAmerica.com slash join and sign up for Soccer America's pro membership. It's just $4.90 a month or $49 a year. And by Ticket IQ, the simplest and cheapest way to buy yourself some great MLS tickets, which – Right now, no, and you can't get any Broadway That's, tickets. You you're, usually you can. You got to amend the promo, Flinny. I got to amend the promo because you know you get you know they have Broadway tickets and MLS tickets, but Broadway shut down for a month and yeah. MLS for at least thirty days. So okay, guys, let's get into it. Weird times here. Um, you know, as far as sports are concerned, uh, you know this game that we love uh, and this podcast is about is a global game. 
And I think America was in denial for a little bit uh, for a while. But Sam, you talked about it, Italy. Um, it all kind of started there, not the coronavirus, but how the effect on the country shutting down and sports were shut down there first. Talk a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, all sport, I mean, like kind of everywhere now, um, has been shut down in Italy until at least April 3rd. The country itself is really on lockdown. Um, you know, the, the regions themselves, there's no travel between them unless you have, you know, special dispensation to do so. Um, you know, we saw the games being played behind closed doors there before anywhere else. We saw the games being canceled there or postponed before anywhere else. Um, now a couple of players have tested positive. Uh, one of them, right. a Juventus player, and they were obviously playing, you know, in France just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, this seems to be, they seem to be the first country that really had to deal with it in Europe. I mean, I, I don't, you know, specifically, I don't know what they did wrong or, you know, what, what they should have done, but, um, you know, in terms of mitigating it, they've, you know, they've had to shut everything down like everywhere else now. Um, what, what I find interesting, it, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, uh, it seems like public relations wise here in the United States, a lot of the, a lot of the talk is let's do what we did. Let's do something right that Italy did wrong, which was, I think they didn't see it as a, a, a pandemic early enough. And so, um, you know, so, so we're taking things from the Italian example of what not to do, basically. So, and now you're talking about, you know, they were talking about having no crowds in the audience for these games, but players are now testing for it, whether it's, you know, guys in Syria, ah, but now, you know, the Utah Jazz player and uh, a lot of people domestically here, like the players can't even play now just uh, because, well, yeah, you know, and staffers. We're talking about, you know, yeah, you gotta, if you're going to open up a facility, you have probably a, a couple hundred people that need to open it. And then you have, yeah. you know, the, the players playing, well, there's, that's no way to shut things down. So obviously yeah. the games are completely canceled now. MLS for 30 days, NBA, NHL, M MLB grail. It cannot be far behind, huh? The PGA is yep. shut down. Did the PGA shut down? Yeah. Yeah. They were going to actually play initially. They were going to play tournaments. Uh, they have the players championship coming up this weekend in Ponte Vedra, which is their, one of their big tourneys. They were going to play it in front of no crowds. And then wisely, as they saw the cascading dominoes of leagues suspending yeah. outright, they didn't want to be left out there alone. So they, they shut it down too, which I think is the wise thing. Well, the, the only thing that's, different about that is it's outdoor and it's one person walking with a caddy. So I didn't know, um, you know, I've always, I haven't always considered golf a sport. I think it's more, I think it'd be a sport if somebody was chasing you while you're trying to hit. The yeah. Ball. I mean, even though, even though golf is a made for TV sport, definitely uh, just the optics, I think of the PGA being out there, you know, it, acting slightly differently, didn't look good. I, I think the great thing is the unifying principle of all the worldwide leagues essentially doing the same thing almost in unison and then they'll figure out you know as things evolve how they resume or not so right so this is sort of dominating world news basically um but I, you know I, and the champions league is, has been uh, postponed so have we watched the last champions league game for a while um yeah may, maybe just just one thing i'd like to say funny on this is uh how much respect i have for adam silver who was the first commissioner to suspend play and i think adam silver's actions really gave permission in a way for the other leagues to follow suit and and you know because you saw once the nba went the the uh, ncaa tournament originally was going to be in front of no fans and they decided to cancel it right away and then mlb and 
and it was just a cascade of, of decisions along those lines. So really, I, it took a lot of uh, uh, took a lot of guts for Adam Silver to do that, and I really applaud him because it was I, a great I, decision. I disagree and agree because I think it, it was the decision. It was kind of the only decision you can make. You have a player who tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah. He's been hanging out with his teammates all all week. You know, he had been doing press conferences. In fact, he got in a lot of trouble because he he was joking around and he touched every one of the microphones. And right, you know, like I mean, if if you know, uh, you got to stem it right where you can there. And it was seemed like a no no brainer. What I do respect is the fact that the NBA follow the money, right? Where so it's like so much money is involved when they decide to pull out. Everybody else kind of loses their arguments. Like, hey, what are, what are we doing here? This is a really a big. Uh, this is a big national, international emergency. Exactly. So, uh, so it was good to see. And, and you're right. Everybody did follow suit right after it. I just think he did, just didn't have a choice as, uh, as we've seen. So, um, you know, Champions League, uh, you know, we're here in the United States. You, you can't build a wall to keep out a virus. It doesn't, yeah. uh, it doesn't quite help. So a lot of our funding for the CDC was cut, cut away 80%. The three people who are running it, uh, the pandemic council were fired or let go. So, um, we have a little reckoning here in the United States. I think as certain people try to spin it as the, um, the Wu-Tang virus and people like they're trying to oh, make yeah. it a, a Chinese thing. So um, yeah, I was, yeah, I was joking. I was jokingly calling it the Wu-Tang clan virus, but now I'm not even going to do that because it's just sort of insensitive. No. And most people say funny, funny, most experts say that at this stage, you know, the virus is inside the United States. So if you're closing the doors, you're kind of yeah. trapping it inside the United States. You're, it, the, the problem doesn't exist outside of the United States at this point. So, right. so we've been, we've been pretty foolish. So let's, let's talk yeah. a little soccer. I think we can, we'll move on from coronavirus though. It is affecting everything. Why don't we talk about the last champions league uh, games to, that we've seen for a while. I want to talk about Cadero. He resigned from the U S women's national team uh, from the, from U.S. soccer because of comments. So we can talk about that in a little bit as well. But first thoughts, uh, Sam, what uh, what was your problem with Liverpool? I thought they dominated that game. But look, this is the game we love. Uh, Atletico parked the bus and countered well and uh, bad goalkeeping. And wow, here we are. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's not a problem I have with, uh, with Liverpool. I think in many ways it's more of like a, a news media construct because they, they've become so invincible that anytime they lose, it's, you know, oh, their season's going down the drain. Um, That's English, yeah. I think in, in this game in particular, you know, I, I, I thought it was one of the best Champions League games I've seen in a long time. Um, and I know, you know, Atleti, and there's no question Liverpool are a stronger team and that they played better, but, you know, that, that's kind of the point of playing the game. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't like all the, you know, Klopp's comments after. I mean, I think Liverpool had so many chances to win this game and, you know, have it not even be an issue um, that they really only have themselves to blame. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, it came down to the two goalkeepers, all black made. You know, he did make a couple good saves and Adrian made that one you know, horrible giveaway, but I think that's a little simplistic. I mean, I, I think the amount of shots that went wide that were blocked. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think Liverpool have themselves to blame and, you know, now we see there's only, you know, probably if Man City advanced when they ever play that game, you know, they would have one team in the, in the quarterfinals. So, you know, I wonder if the EPL is just not as strong this year. I mean, I think Liverpool certainly are, but maybe they're not, you know, being tested as much as they need to be. Uh, Sam, I would agree with you if they did not dominate that Atletico game, because uh, I, I think this is as strong of a, a team. I go back to maybe when Barcelona was, was dominating and reinventing the game with, with Tiki Taka, you know, it's sort of like everybody's trying to play like Liverpool, but Liverpool recently has not been playing like Liverpool. They've, they've looked a little tired. 
um, and uh, and a little unmotivated. I thought the one thing that would going to motivate them was going to be Champions League play because their league is done and dusted. Um, but I think Grail, I, to to Sam's yeah. larger point, what do you think about? The, the parity in the league is Liverpool that good or is the EPL just not as strong this year? Well, I, I, I have a couple of thoughts on it. Uh, first of all, um, uh, why don't you share I, them? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to. So, uh, no, I, I thought obviously you can't argue with the fact that Liverpool was on the front foot, the whole match. They took the game to right. Atletico, but Atletico had a strategy and their strategy was as a way of counteracting that. And that's what they came in with. They made no secret of it. I think, I think Klopp's, post-match complaints about um, Atletico not playing proper <laughs> soccer mm-hmm. is, is really off base because proper soccer is in the eye of the beholder. And to Klopp, that means playing the style he plays, okay? If you're Simeone, proper soccer is playing the style he plays. And who's to say right. whichever wins? If, if Klopp had wanted Simeone to come out and play with all the talent he has on Atletico, the Liverpool style – and they lose the game, why is that good? Why is that a good strategy for Atletico? So again, proper soccer, you know, I, I, get, I get Klopp's frustrations, um, they, but they, to Sam's point, they had every opportunity to put the game away, and they didn't. And that's part of the thing, too. When somebody parks the bus, the onus is on the opposition to figure out how to break through it. Sure. I think, yeah. look... I think Klopp is basically mentioning, first of all, I'm bummed that Liverpool's not moving forward because they're so damn fun to watch. And I think that exciting brand of swashbuckling soccer that they play is fantastic. I think that's part of what people are talking about. The black arts are what they're talking about with Atletico, you know, flipping and flopping, complaining to the referee. Then you look at the replay, the guy wasn't even touched. It's like the game sort of has moved a little past that where yes. players have started to sort of say, come on, man, get up. Right. Will you? And, um, and all the 36 cameras that capture everything is pretty amazing. So yeah, you do what it takes to win. And look, playing, uh, you know, on some teams where we were outmanned. Yeah. We were parking the bus and, and your, your beloved Chelsea, uh, Grail, when, when they started to get a, a lead with the, when Mourinho yeah, was coach, yeah. They used to park the bus, and that was the big criticism of them, but they kept winning. It just wasn't fun soccer to watch. When you have all those great players, and you kind of just shackle them and say, no, drop back, yeah. and half, defend, and we'll counter. It was successful soccer, Flinny, but as a Chelsea supporter, I actually like the way Lampard is playing much more now, and I'm willing to maybe not be as successful in the short term to see a better style. As a fan, I just like that more. Right, which so. which speaks to my point about Atleti. Yeah. And one, one thing, guys, I don't know, did you hear it on the on the broadcast? He's the highest paid coach, uh, Simeone. He makes, a, I think, 32 uh, million pounds a year. 20 more than than Pep, I think. Really? I, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, something like that. I, I, should, I should check that before I, I, uh, I blurt it out he, here. He must have a wardrobe budget, too, with just all black clothing, by the way. He looks like the Elvis of soccer. That's, that's why he hired that keeper, too, because it fit his ensemble. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, I guess there were some – yeah, apparently some other games, too, that, that came before. Uh, Lipsig uh, uh, eliminated the Spurs three zip. What is what is going on? That's why Mourinho, like President Trump and the coronavirus, is trying to look for a scapegoat for this for this loss. Uh, they yeah. lose four zip on aggregate to Leipzig, Leipzig, and so that's I think why your boy Mourinho. Well, um, and to be to be fair, up. you know they've missed Harry Kane for big chunks of the season, and and Lloris their keeper is out. Yeah, Son. I mean, so 
you know, they are down so the, probably three of their key players or have been for much of the season. But again, you know, my attitude is cry me a river. F- figure it out. Yeah. You got to get new players. They could have gotten new players at the transfer window, but Mourinho knew that that was not an option because the owner mm-hmm. told him that. So you took the job, do the job, stop complaining. End of story. Sam, I didn't see the Valencia Atalanta game, but uh, but you did. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this was pretty wild. Um, this was in Valencia, obviously, before no fans. Um, and Atalanta uh, getting the job done to advance to their first ever quarterfinals in the Champions League, in their first ever appearance in the Champions League. Uh, the big story here, I mean, uh, despite uh, aside from the stadium being empty, uh, was Josip Ilicic scoring four goals, um, which was pretty incredible. Um, wow, not a name. I wonder if you guys even know about this guy. Uh, 32-year-old Slovenian who just kind of bounced around the Italian league um, is having just a fantastic year. Um, and, yeah, pretty wild. I mean, again, it's weird watching with no no supporters in the stands. Hard to tell, you know, how, how seriously the game's going to be played and everything, but there was a lot of, you know, hard-fought action in this one and really fun to watch. So, I, you know, I think it's by far the biggest story in this year's Champions League, and hopefully it doesn't doesn't end here. Go ahead, Scrail. No, no, I was just going to say, Sam. The uh, just getting back to your the the, uh, the point about uh, PSG that you made about the celebration, and the empty stadium, which just kind of magnified how obnoxious yeah. that was. Right? If it had been a full stadium, there would have been more distractions. Yeah. Exactly. But I felt like they were performing a play in front of you know, in front of no audience. It was really. Yeah. Weird. Really odd. That was like like in the Super Bowl when when uh, you know San Francisco was. It was like the third quarter, early in the third quarter, they were doing the celebration dance. It's like, oh my god, you know, you yes. scored a touchdown. Relax, you got a big quarter to play, another you know game. I mean, I don't get the celebration when the game's not never, over. Never, never. Like it's the, it's end, the right? ultimate. It's the ultimate jinx. Come on. And it's yeah. and it's also uh, disrespectful to the players, uh, to, yes. to the players and the other team, and that's why you certainly see sometimes the players from opposing teams get like pissed. You know, you're doing like a a five or six person line dance. It's like you, like you're watching the Rock Rockettes perform or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, the Champions League is a great way. I think. I mean, people play out of their minds. If they play over their abilities, uh, they play better than they do. Sometimes they play under, as in Liverpool's uh, case. But I think it. Uh, you know, I want to see, Sam, what you think about it, how it affects your argument with league parity. Maybe maybe Liverpool was a little too soft this year because they've been cruising for the last month or two. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wrote this article, you know, I don't know, four or five months ago now about how, you know, historically, statistically, it's not good to be so far ahead in your domestic league if you want to win the Champions League. Only a few teams have done it with, uh, I think, more than a 12-point gap in their league. Um, winning the title. So, uh, yeah, I think for Liverpool to be so far ahead is not, I mean, was not, uh, you know, the the right place for them to be. I mean, you know, it's hard to tell if, if the Champions League is, in fact, the best way to, you know, measure the the quality of all the leagues. But Well, it's, it's definitely a stat, and Americans love stats, but I would love to see that. If I think you should post that again, Sam. I read it, but I forget. That's the beauty of me. You can tell me something, and I forget it. Yeah, Sam, um, the, other th- the other thing about your – the um, the, the insurmountable 25 point lead. I think it also just from a fan standpoint, um, staying engaged in other FA Cup, uh, Champions League, et cetera, keeps the fans engaged and you have other things to focus on. And now it's almost a letdown. There's almost kind of a letdown now that it's only the league and they're just kind of, kind of whenever they resume, if they do, 
have it run its course, but it's a different energy now for the fans because it's, it's almost like it's a fait accompli that they're going to do it. So yeah, um, it, is, it should be interesting to watch the rest of the year because the other teams are battling relegation and everything else. So um, I think that's a good stat though, Sam, I don't think that's, you know, a lot of stats I think sometimes are useless. I don't think, what do you do with that? Um, and, but that's one where it seems like, wow, uh, the, maybe the teams that aren't doing as well in their domestic league play out of their minds because they're playing for the entire season, you know, uh, if, because the season for Liverpool is a success last year because they won Champions League, right? Mm-hmm. So they were able to sort of say, well, we are a great team and just happened, you know, uh, Man City was just better domestically this year as well as we played. So um, yeah. it's interesting. I think, you know, I think uh, you should retweet that, Sam, that article so people could see that. That's uh, some interesting stat. But hey, guys, I want to talk about this as well. Uh, you know, we were the, the U S beat Spain in, um, what do they call it? The, the, she uh, believes cup, the, she believes cup. Okay. Um, you know, when I talked to last week about, I I just don't get it. I think it's just a money-making venture. Um, I, you know, I've taken some heat because I do feel that, um, the, the legal argument that's being made now, everybody's doing their things, but one thing is for sure, you have the, you know, uh, the women's, uh, the players, um, are in one camp u.s soccer's on the other camp they're doing legal proceedings one place where the u.s soccer is getting their ass kicked it's in the school of public opinion and pr the women are just tooling on them pr wise and so one of the things that the the legal papers came out and said was that uh the the level that men play at is a higher level demanding more physically demanding and everything well people went absolutely apeshit so um the couple of the sponsors, which Grail, you can talk about, uh, basically didn't drop out, but said, Hey, we're not comfortable with that language in that lawsuit. Yeah. And the women turned their shirts inside out. They were not representing us soccer. And then the next day, uh, Cordero resigns. So Cordero, first of all, is like the man that never was, you never right. see him. I've never heard him speak. Um, it's, uh, it's bizarre. You know, at least when Sunil was at the head of things, he, he would, he would take his hits. He would answer questions. Uh, but now this guy's gone. Maybe this is a good sign. After after how many years of, of uh, you know, who's going to leave U.S. soccer? It was a big to-do. And now here he is. Well, what is it? He's well, not even a year, I don't think. So. Well, no, he's two, he's two years into a four-year tenure. Yeah. Uh, Cindy Parlow Cohn takes over for him. Uh, they have a new uh, vote um, on 2000, in 2022 for that next four-year term. that goes 2022 to 26. But Cindy Parlow... Cone obviously has a great pedigree, an incredible college player, 158 caps for the U.S. women's national team, and a woman. And I honestly, I think what they should have done last time around is they should have elected Kathy Carter, who happens to be a friend of mine who was running Soccer United Marketing, who would have been a great choice. She was one of the finalists, and they decided to go with Carlos Cordero, who had, I guess, a connection to Sunil. And, um, and this is what they got. They got a guy who's like living in a world that was 50 years ago. And his excuse for saying, I didn't read the legal document. I mean, on the one hand, good for you for resigning. But the fact that you actually admitted that you didn't read the legal document that was released to the press that made all these incredibly sexist comments. He, sh- he should be gone by any measure. It's an embarrassment. It's just, you know, what I think part of what is happening, I think one of the biggest arguments they're having is they want to share, they want a half share of the FIFA money that FIFA pays for the Men's World Cup. And I just don't think that's realistic. 
uh, funny that but yeah. funny that's a, to be fair that's a separate issue right now we can get down to the nuts and bolts of what they're asking. Well, but for. no, but that's one of the biggest holdups is they want they want money and they want to claw back the money. And I, if, I, if they I, have... I totally get it, Flinny, but that has nothing to do with what has just transpired. We had a guy running U.S. soccer mm-hmm. who basically supported sexist statements in a legal document that was released to the press. So first things first, like, let's get Cindy Parlow Cohn in there. And then let's address your very valid points of what might be wrong with their argument. But that argument, there was no level playing field because this guy was coming from a place of basically saying that women, that men, men's uh, uh, challenges are much greater than women when they play soccer, which was an insane argument. I think could the argument be not the individual, uh, the level of skill is is not there. First of all, uh, Mega Rapino is 38 years old. All right. And I, I don't, it's, it's difficult to play at that level at 38 years old, but apparently not, not. Um, I think what, what I thought it meant was that men's teams all over the world are stronger as opposed to like, you know, the support from nations, because let's say Uruguay, this tiny little country, how good is their women's team? We don't even know. Do they even get to play? So I thought the argument was not about the individual woman, uh, but saying, the competition is stronger for men across the world because of sexism worldwide. So, sure. uh, and the inability for women to play worldwide. So if you say it's, it's more difficult for the men's team to qualify for the world cup than the women's it's, it's a basic fact. I think it's not, it's not besmirching a, a woman's ability to play the game. No. Yeah. I think yeah. that, I think that's a little different than, you know, some of the statements I've seen from the, from the yes. legal, legal document. I mean, like, a, right. you know, some of the quotes saying, you know, women have less ability, um, you know, the mm-hmm. level of certain physical Skill. attributes such as speed and strength. Um, yeah. Right. Saying that the men's team requires a higher level of skill um, based on, you know, indisputable science. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think that's it's pretty tough. If, to, if, if I was U.S. soccer, I and I would not be coming at it from that angle. I would not. I would go, Flinty. Right. You bring up great points. I think those are all points that should be discussed. But getting into the comparison of men's ability versus women's ability is a no-win proposition. And if you want right, to turn, I, if right. you want to turn people against you, keep going down that path because that's a right, losing right. argument. Well, I think the bottom line is that, you know, and I've always expressed this, which the contract should be the same, men's and women's. So um, if the women, you know, have this deal, the men should have this deal and vice versa. They shouldn't, the hotels, the field conditions, that's absurd that they actually gave, um, you know, that differential, you know, preference to the men's leagues. I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. But I think what people don't mention is what was asked for in the collective bargaining agreement from the men and from the women. It is apples and oranges. You have the leagues pay for the players, the American players, their team, their, their, the team they're playing for pays for their insurance, pays their salary. They are strictly bonuses. The women, um, they get guaranteed contracts. You can't get a guaranteed contract on the men's team right now. Who are we going to pick? Who are the 25 guys you're going to pick? You're going to guarantee them a contract. There's just no way you can do that in the men's, uh, on the men's team. All right. So there's one difference right there. Uh, they have health care from U.S. soccer. They had a donation of $10 million, not a donation, but an investment of $10 million in the domestic league. They don't want that to count. I think all should be fair and all should be upfront and, and everything should be disclosed. Well, if you're just looking at the Women's World Cup versus the Men's World Cup mm-hmm. uh, in, in a vacuum, okay, 
Um, one generates, the men's World Cup generates a lot more revenue than the women's. I would argue that you do a percentage, okay? So you have an equal percentage. They Each team gets an equal percentage of what the total haul is. But you're right. One generates a lot more revenue than the other, so you can't give equal amounts of revenue because you're going off a base that's much different. So let's say they each got 10%, whatever it is. We'll have to talk to Professor Bank at UCLA to get his stand in this. But uh, yeah, again, it can't be total apples to apples because the revenues are different um, and, um, you know, the sponsor dollars are different and all those types of things. So, um, and maybe they keep them as separate accounts if that's what the women feel, because they, I think they're seeing with soccer United marketing and other things where the money's coming in and then it's not being divided equally. So the money's not coming in equally either. So, um, you know, there's, there's that argument. Well, I I thought it was very interesting that this, this whole thing started to turn, when the visas and Budweiser's and Deloitte's uh, and oh, Volkswagen right. of the world, when the sponsors start uh, pushing back and saying, that's not the kind of language we want to associate with. And when Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS says, I in no way support those inferences in that right. legal document, then, then it's just going in one direction. And that was the resolution. Cordero, which, yeah, didn't have a shot. Good. It's good. This is a good thing. Yeah. Well, this is good. I think full disclosure and everything. But I think your point about Adam Silver and the NBA is uh, here because it's follow the money again. When the when the when the advertisers started to squawk to say, "Hey, whoa, what's going on over there?" Um, yeah. I think full disclosure will only help U.S. soccer. So it's almost like if you're saying the NBA, Grail, which owns the WNBA as well. If yeah. the WNBA comes in and says, "Hey, man, share the marketing money. You get television money." Uh, from the NBA and WNBA, we should get a share of the NBA's money, not just the WNBA's money. So if you keep a, but if you went on the WNBA and you said what's going out and what's coming in, I would guarantee you there'd be a deficit there. Well, they just rewrote the WNBA contract and, and, and it's much more favorable and, and, you know, salaries are going to be higher for players. It's not going to be the same as the NBA. It's going to be a lot better than it was for the WNBA in terms of, child care and leave, you know, uh, leave when you have children, things like that. Um, but it's just not going to be, nobody expects it to be exactly the same because the well, revenue generation is totally different, but it's going to so be. So you see my point. Yes. So I you did. see my point, right. You see my point is like, why can they make that demand when, you know, there? So um, it's, uh, I it's, think it's the, sorry. I think the overarching, ahead, I think the overarching theme here is that, you know, if there's one thing we should be able to get right, it's figuring out our federation, you know, I mean, the yes, amount of squabbling right. and the discord, I mean, not to be stereotypical, but it's the kind of stuff you expect from, you know, the Argen, the Argentina football association, you know, right. It's always in shambles. I mean, if there, it seems like up here, we should be able to get that right at least. And I do think it's a no brainer to have a woman at the head of this. Yeah, honestly, that's I do. A great I, move. I, I, I just think it is because there are so many talented women out there and, and it's going to be a much better voice. And I think they're going to get this done actually in fairly short order now that we've got a new person looking at it and um, yeah, and, 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 my, and that'll, my, that'll go over very well, I think with the U S women's national team too. It will. I think my only concern is sometimes players, it's passion. And um, let's say if it was a Kathy Carter, it would be strictly business looking at bottom lines, mm-hmm. uh, what comes in, what goes out the, uh, to divide things properly. And then Sam, to your point, I think you're spot on. This does feel like it's some, 
like we're some third world country. Yeah. I think we're feeling like we're in a third world country for a lot of reasons right now, but uh, yeah. this is also another one. It's just yeah. these asinine arguments, you know, and uh, so. It's, yeah, and Cord uh, it, by the way, Cordero left before he replaced uh, the outgoing, was it was it Burhalter that was leaving? Greg's brother was Jay Burhalter? Jay, Jay Burhalter. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he ever made that, he never made that replacement. So it's kind of in turmoil as he's going out the door, but again, it was from a PR standpoint, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And this at least cleans the slate. Yeah. I mean, think about how long it was Ernie Stewart that took to, uh, to hire him, uh, to, to hire a head coach, Greg Berhalter to, to implement his system, as you call it. Grail. <laughs> um, so, uh, so maybe look, us soccer has been uh, a, a shit show for a while to be quite yes. uh, blank here. You know, it's, it's been a, a shit show and, you know, they had all kinds of problems with uh, employees and what's going on. They're all stuffed into that little Chicago building. It's time to really move to the next level. Um, so hopefully this can, um, this can be maybe like you say, we'll, we can turn this into a win. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. So, um, all right. So there's time now for, for everybody to sort of um, reassess what's going on all over. Domestic leagues have shut down. Champions League is shut down. Uh, and it, it seems like, there's bigger things than sports right now, believe it or not. I mean, for the final four to shut down, that's just yeah. uh, amazing because it's such people's uh, lifestyles. And, you know, with me, with my work, I depend on crowds, you know, with comedy yeah. shows. So it's sort of like yeah. they're just going to start falling by the wayside. So I'm, you know, no work for the next couple of months. Um, so why don't we – we'll wrap this up with uh, talking about a little bit of soccer parity. What, what, what happens now, you guys, with all this time off for these teams? How do you think it will affect the players? And then, Sam, I think you want to talk a little bit about league parity again before you tweet out your article. Yeah. Um, well, so, so far, I think only Liga MX of the kind of, you know, leagues on the map are still continuing to play. I mean, that's as of 11 o'clock on Friday morning. That could change very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I think well, – they only had seven cases, I think. They had seven cases as of yesterday. So Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know in Italy, you know, they're, they're, the practices have all been canceled. I mean, I don't know if it's that way in other countries. Um, I, I mean, I do think – it's going to be really interesting how, if, and how, you know, these different leagues decide how to, um, you know, crown a champion. If they're, you know, in mm -hmm. Italy, they were talking about, you know, maybe having a playoff at the end of the year. Um, I, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, watch the premier league, watch the premier league have a playoff with the top four teams, champions league style. And then Liverpool loses. But me, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think people wouldn't know what to do. I think the positive side side of the reset in sports is just that it gives a chance. It gives people a chance to just take a break, reassess what's important. Sports is not life or death. The coronavirus is life or death. And honestly, I think when they do come back, you know, and they'll probably be on different timetables, there's going to be a real sense of unity amongst everybody, amongst all the players, amongst the teams, amongst. So I, in a weird way, as much as it's a horrific thing to go through, I think on yeah. the the other side of it, it's gonna there's gonna be actually a very good spirit of unity coming out of this. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I'm hoping so too, Grail, because not just sports, but I think we are facing a national crisis here in the United States, a yeah. time when we're so divided with partisan politics and the blame game, and um, it's uh, it's almost like 9/11 in a sense where we need to come together and not care which one side or the other, like w what can we do to stop this and make this, you know, uh, not be a, such a crisis. So hopefully some positives can come from it. So, yeah. um, so Sam, I guess you have some, some, um, 
stats yeah. for us? Yeah, I'll throw a few stats at you guys in the form of a quiz here. Um, I thought it was an appropriate time to sort of look back across soccer in Europe and uh, yeah, just got some numbers to run by you guys. This is so this is okay. from whoscored.com, which is a website that calculates a lot of stuff, but um, oh, yeah, that, man, I, I thought that was, sounds like sounds like Sunday morning in college. <laughs> I mean. uh, so it, you know, for every match, it, it gives players a rating out of 10, um, you know, based on goals, assists and a bunch of different stuff. So okay. the, uh, the top four rated players across Europe uh, as of right now are Leo Messi at 8.61 average rating, followed by Amazing. Neymar at 8.58, Lewandowski at 8.16 and Mbappe at 8.14. So I'm wondering if you guys can tell me who's wow. five on that list. Did you mention Ronaldo? Did not mention Ronaldo. I'm going to say He's Ronaldo. He's not in there. Um, I'm going to okay. say Ronaldo. Wow. I, uh, I don't know who I'd say. Sterling? No, uh, no um, De Bruyne. Okay, it's actually Josep Ilicic, who I mentioned earlier. Wow, on you, you love that dude. You love that dude, Sam. As You're Sam following his career. No one a, else that's is. That's a loaded, loaded <laughs> piece of data. Let me, ask, let me ask questions that make me look smart. <laughs> at 7.95. Uh, De Bruyne is at 7.92. He's sixth on the list. And How about Aguero? Ronaldo is 7.90, so he's uh, tied for seventh on the list. I don't know. I don't God, have the whole list in front okay. of me. Does, does the Neymar surprise you? It doesn't only because playing what in France, that? I feel like, well, I mean, he plays in France. He has hardly any competition, right? I mean, he's just. He has to compete with his own ego. That's what he. Neymar was fighting with his own ego and he's losing. It's been amazing <laughs> to watch how he's been devalued over the, uh, over the last couple of years. I think he probably wishes he never left Barcelona. So, all right, guys. Well, weird times. Uh, we yeah, wait, just... I got more. I got more. It's oh, oh, my wait, God. Wait, weird wait, times wait, and weird he's gonna be. He's going to be. Yeah. He's going to be. Some other stats that will make himself look smart. Go exactly. ahead. Exactly. It's so unfair. <laughs> all right. So uh, what I did was take a look um, at the average scores of games across the top five leagues. So basically I've okay. calculated what the average score of any game in a league is. Um, okay. So first of all, I want to ask you guys, what in what league do you think the most goals per game are scored? I'm going to say La Liga. I'd say Ligue Okay. Uh, it's actually the Bundesliga with 3.25 oh. goals a game. La Liga and uh, Ligue 1 are the two lowest. La Liga is uh, 2.54 a game, and Ligue 1 is 2.52. Wow. We suck. We suck. By the way, Sam, I got to say, because you know what my language problem I have with people, you'll, you'll say the Italian word, but you, you didn't do Bundesliga. You did Bundesliga. You, did, you were so American. Das ist no gut, my friends. You, you, you know, what are you it, doing? It, it's funny, too, Sam, because I think of my, my stereotypical view of the Bundesliga as a very Germanic, Teutonic, oh. systematic – one nil and let's go home. <laughs> Wait, and then we score the goal and then we park the bus. We score exactly. the goal and then we park the <laughs> bus. It's good to challenge no, we, some, we, some stereo. We park the autobus. <laughs> so the next question based on these statistics is which league do you think has the greatest, you know, differential between the greatest win margin? Essentially, which is the least balanced? <laughs> the least okay i'm gonna go back again to la liga for this one and, and, and i'm going with league again okay uh you're 
both basically right. So league uh, the average score of a game in league uh, is 1.49 to 1.03. And that okay. is the uh, second greatest um, besides La Liga, which is 1.51 to 1.03. I feel like I see a lot of La Liga scores that are 5-0. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right. I would suggest those are the two least balanced. Um, yeah. Interestingly, the Serie A is the most balanced. At the average score of a Serie A game. Let's is see. The, again, Grail, it's like a Serie A question. It's, a, it's, it's just it's, it's a Serie A stuff comes one, out. One, it's a one-one <laughs> tedious draw, and let's go get a cup of cappuccino. That's there we go. My God, that's Serie A. No, it's like That's Serie A right like, there. Everything that'll put Syria on a positive light, Sam will throw out. It's almost like you with Chelsea. It's oh, yeah. unbelievable. I mean, these are these are undeniable. Two point nine one goals a game in Syria. That's more than. So, so Sam's next one's going to be which kit was voted the most stylish by Turns fans out in Syria. Ah. Of course, Syria because they've got Gucci and Hugo Boss probably designing right. their kits. Last question. Last uh, wait, question. Another one. Another in one. which league do we find the most nil-nil draws this year? Oh, I'm going to say EPL. Yay. Bundesliga. Okay, Notice actually, how I said that. Actually, in La Liga, again, 23 oh, zero, 0 draws. Bundesliga has the least with nine. How about Premier League? Where does Six, that rank so in, I, in the Premier League? So I was so way right off. In the middle. Right in the I middle. was off as, as bad as you could be. I was off. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, was, you know, you're saying these are, these are pro Serie A stats. I have to say pretty much all these stats show that the Bundesliga is by far the most entertaining league. most dynamic yeah well okay. certainly the best place for an american kid to wind up for now yes. um you know right in soccer america the amount of players that weren't released for uh olympic games was was a pretty impressive list of players that we have over there overseas and a lot of them are in the bundesliga so look it's been tough times for u.s soccer i guess uh you know for the men on the field for the women off the field with these uh, negotiations but like you said, Grail, maybe something like this uh, pandemic that is spreading across, it gives us all time to assess. And I think a lot of soccer fans that I know, it'll be a great time for them to reintroduce themselves to their wives and their kids. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Saturday and Sunday mornings, it's like, Daddy's back. Where's Daddy been? Who's that guy? It's your father. He, well, why is he making pancakes? I, well, because there's no Premier League on. Kid. That, that's your father. So, all right, guys. So, uh, good stuff. Uh, you know, coronavirus has sort of dominated the news and uh, kind of uh, in a world way, it's kind of started with soccer. So uh, um, it's been interesting to watch. But uh, hey, everybody love each other out there. I know that Absolutely. sounds cliche, but my God, be nice, be tolerant. Let's get through this as a country, as a nation, uh, as a world. Um, and I think the one thing if we, we look at soccer fans, I don't think we, we see ourselves as isolationists because you can't. We watch so much from all around the world. We watch these players move to different countries. We appreciate the way different countries play uh, as a national team, how individuals from different countries play on their, uh, their particular teams. So I think soccer people are a little bit more aware that there's a big world out there. But when things like this happen, uh, a 9-11 or a, this this terrible pandemic it gives us a chance to realize that we were all part of the same uh, big organism that is the united states and the world itself so uh so let's uh, throw out good thoughts all you otb listeners out there for yes. for the whole world to get through this uh in one piece and to, to minimize whatever bad effects there are that are about to happen okay so uh as i said love each other everybody all right for otb i'd like to thank uh my co-hosts here sam griswold and uh and grail hallett hug your kids and uh, we'll talk to you next time on OTP.
Peace.